Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I Can Do mindset. Life is what you put into it. Get the most you can. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I preached from Matthew chapter 25 and I called it, You Did It to Me. And in that sermon, we talked about how we should view our our actions and how our actions, we are doing these things to God. We talked about sin and how when we commit sin, we are committing sin against God. We talked about even how we respond in the midst of suffering and how we do it for him. We talked about the work and the, the effort that we put into with the things that we do with our hands. And how we do it for him, according to Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and Colossians chapter 3. And we even talked about our worship. I pray that all of us this morning are here for him. And that we are worshiping him with all of our hearts. One of the passages that we looked at from Matthew, or in Matthew, was in Matthew chapter 25. Do you remember this passage? Where we began in verse number 34. And in this passage, we talked about how... You know, sometimes we can miss how important the little things really are to God. God places great value upon his people and how his brethren, how his people are treated by others. And in Matthew 25, verse 34, Jesus said, as he talked about judgment, going back to verse number 32, he said, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. And those are very comforting passages as he talks about the righteous, and these deeds and these actions of time and service and love and sacrifice and how Jesus sees this and how they did it to him. But we did not read the rest of the chapter. And in the rest of the chapter, we find something that is not so much as comforting as those verses there. And verse 41, the Bible says, Jesus still speaking here, he says this, then he will say, he will also say to those on his left, depart from me. That's totally different than what he just said to those on his right. Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. 
naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So take note of that. Jesus speaks about the righteous who will have eternal life. He speaks about heaven. But he also speaks about those who are accursed and who will spend eternity in hell. And I want you to notice what he says about hell. Number one, when you go back to verse number 41, listen to the language here for those on the left and those who will spend eternal punishment in hell. Number one, he said, depart from me. Aren't those sad words? Depart from me. Number two, these individuals that will be in hell that Jesus is speaking about, well, they are not blessed, but rather they are, as he said in verse number 41, accursed. And they will go to a place that Jesus describes here in verse number 41 as eternal fire. He's talking about hell. Notice that this place that these individuals will go to, there are people who will go to this destination one day. It is eternal in nature. It has been prepared. Who prepared it according to verse 41? Well, we know God has prepared it. And notice who it was prepared for. The devil and his angels. And yet there will be people who will be there as well. Because Jesus said to those on his left. Or will say to those on his left. Depart from me. And notice in verse number 46. These will go away into eternal punishment. This will be a place for those who are accursed. It is a place of eternal fire. It's a place of eternal punishment. The person will not die, but it is a place where people will be conscience, conscious. And they will spend eternally, eternity separated from God. Well, those are challenging words. And those are words sometimes that can be very uncomfortable to a lot of people. To people in the world and even people who are of the faith. This morning I want to study on hell. And I want us to talk about what the Bible has to say about hell. More specifically, I guess, the title of this lesson is called Hell, the Sermon No One Wants to Hear. Well, maybe it's a sermon that no one wants to hear. Maybe it's a sermon that for a few people, but it also could be a sermon that for a lot of people, a lot of people are not necessarily interested hearing about the topic of hell. It can be an uncomfortable subject. And you think about what I just mentioned earlier, right? We have visitors here who are present, and some may be thinking, oh man, the first time they visit West Maine, and they're going to hear a sermon on hell. You know, if you lived in the days of Jesus, you know what you would hear a lot from the Messiah? Hell. Yeah, and he talked about other things too, but he also spoke a great deal about hell. And it leads me to a question for all of us to think about. Why is it that people sometimes don't want to hear this sermon? What makes this an uncomfortable subject? What can get in our way mentally? Have you checked out? Don't check out on me, please, all right? 
Why is it that sometimes people don't want to hear this sermon, a sermon on hell? Well, let's talk about a few reasons as to why. Maybe, maybe we'll see ourselves in this. I hope not. But make no mistake about it. This is reason for us to continue to preach on hell, to talk about hell. Because Jesus, well, he talked a great deal about it. And that leads me to our first observation this morning. I think sometimes people may not want to hear this kind of sermon because it forces them to, to realize and to come to terms with the reality that hell is, is real. And we need to believe the fact that hell indeed is real. It is a real place. We just looked at Matthew chapter 25 and who was speaking there. Jesus was speaking about hell. And what we find all throughout the Gospels is that Jesus is going to say a great deal about hell. Will you turn over to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7? What a beautiful uh, sermon this was by Jesus. And we focus on, rightfully so, the great blessings that Jesus begins in this sermon with. In fact, we have our young people memorizing these beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But make no mistake about it, we got to read the entire and listen to the entire sermon because Jesus doesn't hold anything back. And we got to make sure that we're on the same page with Jesus. There are a lot of other Jesus that are being taught today, like Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm not concerned about those Jesus from false apostles and teachers. We need to be concerned about what did Jesus have to say, what we read in the Word of God. Take note, please, in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 21. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall not, shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool, notice what Jesus says here, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. This was a sermon that would astound the people when you get to the end of Matthew chapter 7, where they saw this great authority in which Jesus taught. And he taught about the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and to the judge, to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Truly, I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid up the last cent. You have heard that it was said you should not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body, take note, then for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. Listen, it's 2022. We've evolved. We're smarter. We're going back to the moon. 
We got, we got people trying to go to Mars in just a few years. We got cars that drive themselves, watches that tell our heartbeat and how much REM sleep we get every night. Hell just seems a little outdated. Nobody wants to hear about this. That's how a lot of people think. That's why it's a sermon that a lot of people do not want to hear. But we need to hear it. And the reality is the whole world needs to hear this. Because Jesus taught about hell. And notice in verse 28 and 29, look at the extreme measures he says to take to avoid hell. It is a real place. Why would Jesus talk like this if it wasn't? And notice what else he said in Matthew chapter 7 towards the end or at the end of his lesson. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse 21. And I want you to notice the language that he used is similar to what he said in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone is going to be in heaven. And yet that is different from what a lot of people today teach and preach. That everyone eventually, no matter what road you take, will find themselves in heaven. But Jesus says, no, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, underline that, who is in heaven will enter. Is it possible to go to heaven? You better believe it. How do we go to heaven? Well, Jesus says, those who do the will of my Father. You hear that? That's what we need to keep in mind. Notice what he says next. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Four sad words. I never knew you. Depart from me, circle that. That's what he said in Matthew chapter 25. Depart from me, those on the left. Depart from me because you're accursed. And this is where you will spend eternity. Eternity and fire and eternal punishment. Jesus says, I never knew you. There's no relationship. There's no fellowship. They were not following and doing his will. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You see, Jesus spoke a great deal about hell. And many times people don't want to hear a sermon about hell because it's a reminder that hell is actually a place that is real. And if we're actually going to be true disciples of Jesus, then we have to believe in what Jesus taught as well. In fact, he didn't stop there in the Sermon on the Mount. Will you turn over to Matthew chapter 23? As he spoke to religious people. And one thing that is very sad and disturbing and scary is that many religious people today, many churches today, do not believe that hell is actually a real place. Maybe they'll say, well, hell, you know, hell is just all the bad things that are happening here on earth. Well, Jesus spoke about a place where people will go who will, who will have to depart from God. And will be separated from God. In Matthew chapter 23, as he spoke to the scribes and Pharisees, he said in verse 13, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. That's something we have to avoid. Because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. For you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Because you devour widows' houses. And for a pretense, you make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. 
And he, he talked a lot about hypocrites. Because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he comes becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Now that may not be the Jesus that many people are familiar with. But that is the Jesus that we read about in the Bible. He was not shy or afraid or bashful or worried about what the crowds were going to do when he spoke about hell. He was concerned about souls. And this is why sermons need to be preached on hell, why we need to study this topic and, and teach others as well. In fact, in Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 33, Jesus said, You serpents, you brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of hell. That's what the Holy Spirit says. Hell is real. Jesus said it numerous times. He taught it and he wanted to warn people about it, about avoiding ever going to this place. In fact, notice what he says in Luke chapter 12 and Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse number one, Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse number one. The Bible says this, under these circumstances, after so many thousands of people had gathered together, that they were stepping on one another. Wouldn't that be a great thing? That we just don't have enough room in the parking lot. Or people coming in here because so many people are anxious and ready to learn and worship and study more about God. They're stepping on one another. He began saying to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. But there's nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. And that still applies for us today. We think we can hide things, but we cannot. God sees all. Accordingly, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed upon the housetops. I say to you, my friends, take note of this as well, brothers and sisters. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. Sometimes we live in great fear of what can happen. And certainly we want to protect ourselves and our family members. That's appropriate. But notice the emphasis that Jesus is going to say. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. We see, number one, that we're more than just flesh and blood, that we have a soul, a soul that will continue to live on even after these bodies die. And number two, we ought to fear God. And this ought to catch our attention. And this should cause us to pause for a moment. Because there is something far greater to fear than what man can do to us. Hell is real. This is a sermon that a lot of people do not want to hear. You may be thinking, man, I was in such a great mood till 1035. Well, you know what? We still need to hear about this. And this is exactly why we need to teach on this, because... We should fear the one. Yes, we want to obey the gospel because we love God. And yet what we find here is also a reason for us to consider our soul salvation. 
Because there will be those who will spend eternity in hell one day. No, we don't have to. But make no mistake about it, Jesus believed hell is real. My question for all of us this morning, do you believe the same thing? I mean, do you really believe it? Was Jesus right when he told his apostles to go to this certain place where they would find a donkey tied up that he could use? Was he correct about that? Yeah, he was. Was he correct about the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D.? Yeah, he was right about that too, wasn't he? Was he correct when he said, destroy this body, and in three days I will raise it up? Did he get that right? And he got that right too. So is there any reason for us to doubt what he says about hell being real? There's no reason at all. This is reason for us to believe because Jesus says so. We have no reason to doubt him. And yet, sadly, this is a reason why many people don't want to hear this kind of sermon because it's a reminder that this place is real. And it's also a reminder, number two, that hell is awful. It is an awful place. And a lot of people don't want to hear this because who wants to be reminded of such an awful place that so many people are going to be in one day? But this is the very reason why we have to hear about this. So that we can avoid it and help other people to avoid spending eternity in hell. All you have to do is look at what Jesus says. Again, open up your Bible to the Gospels. And what you find in the Gospels is that Jesus describes this place. Remember what we talked about a few minutes ago in Matthew chapter 25? In Matthew chapter 25, go back there. Notice number one how he described it. In verse 41... He said, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire. So number one, think about how awful that's going to be. How it's described as this place of eternal fire. I don't think I have this on the slide, but number two, think about who else is going to be there. The devil and his angels. Why would we want to spend time, eternity, with the devil and his angels? This place is going to be awful. Think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13 as he described hell. Matthew chapter 13, verse 41 and 42. Jesus said, the Son of Man will send forth his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is awful. Weeping and weeping and gnashing of teeth. The way Jesus describes this place is why I think sometimes people don't want to hear this kind of sermon. But it's why we need to hear it. In Mark chapter 9, we're still just looking at the words of Jesus. In Mark chapter 9, verse 43 and 44, Jesus, he uses similar language as he did in Matthew. In Mark chapter 9, verse number 43, Jesus said, If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell. You see what he's telling us here? You need to avoid this place, and you're better off in this kind of situation because hell is awful. It's a place of eternity. And he says in verse number 43, and to the unquenchable fire, 
where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than having your two feet to be cast into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. It's a place of eternal fire, place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is awful in nature. And it's reason why Jesus says, take the, take the extremes, do what you have to do so that you will not spend eternity in hell. Why do a lot of people not want to hear a sermon like this? Because it's a reminder that there is a place that people will go to one day for eternity. And that place will be awful. And it wasn't just Jesus who spoke about this. The Apostle Paul in Second Thessalonians, we turn over there, Second Thessalonians 2, and this is something really to think about as well. As you think about hell and why it will be so awful, Paul reminds us in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7, 8, and 9. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, we'll just start in verse number 6 here. Paul said, for after all, for after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you. He's talking to Christians who are afflicted and to us as well. When the Lord Jesus would be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, one day Jesus is going to return. Why can we believe that? Because of all the other things we've already said. He is trustworthy in nature. We were reminded by Brother McCullough in Psalms that God is faithful. So the promises that God makes, we can be confident that he will keep. And the promise he has made is that one day his son will return for his people. And it will be a day of judgment as well. He will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. We know that the devil has his angels who have rebelled against God. And Jesus has his angels who carry out his will as well. And they one day, as it says here in verse 7, that he will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction. Listen to what he says next. Away from the presence of the Lord. That's hard to even imagine the presence of God and not being in the presence of God. Hell will be awful because we will be away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Why is it that a lot of people don't want to hear a sermon like this? Because it forces us to come to some realities about the the real truth of hell and that yes there will be people who will spend eternity in hell it will be a place that is awful and maybe one of the bigger challenges as to why sometimes we don't want to hear a sermon like this is because the reality is i can go there and so can you you know it's interesting in our society today how everybody You know, people used to say, don't judge me, but it seems like now everybody has something to say, something to judge, someone to say, you know what, yeah, see, that person there was bad. Look at what they did. Woo, people just throw out things, right? I knew it. 
People get exposed every day in the, in the news or social media. And it, it's really easy to look at somebody else and to see their flaws and their sins. But it's hard to pick up that mirror and to see our sins, our hypocrisy. We need to check ourselves. We can talk about people from past and history who did horrific, wicked deeds. Yeah, we know where they're going. We got no problem telling people, or maybe we don't tell them, but maybe sometimes we think about it. A lot of people in the world, you know, they have no problem telling people or saying, yeah, that person, he definitely doesn't deserve to go to heaven. What about us? I think sometimes maybe people don't want to hear a sermon like this because it puts us face to face with God. I could go there. You could go there. And we don't have to. God doesn't want us to. But it is a place where I can go. In fact, a preacher by the name of the Apostle Paul, he was an apostle as well. But Paul understood this reality. And I need to understand this reality as a preacher. I need to understand this reality as a Christian, and so do you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 24, will you turn over there? 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 24. As Paul was encouraging the Corinthians, and by the way, why is he doing this? Because some of them needed to repent. Because some of them had been deceived by the evil one, by false teachers. And their soul was in jeopardy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24, Paul said, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Not saying that we all can't have that prize of heaven one day. Run in such a way that you may win. He's helping us to see how we run. All of us are in a race, brothers and sisters. You are in a race at this very moment. And remember what the Hebrew writer says in chapter 12. Lay aside the things that so easily entangle us, that weigh us down. He says, run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the game exercises self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Self-control is not just some kind of idea to sell books or a podcast. It is something that all of us must be wearing and doing on a daily basis. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. We must discipline ourselves, discipline our bodies, discipline our minds, because everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. Just as, just as we are fascinated with sports and football, well, they had their games too. They, they then do it to receive a perishable wreath. We can chase after things in this world. Go for it. Money and clothes and different things, accomplishments, those things are okay. But those things are perishable. They're not going to last. That's why when people win the Super Bowl, when quarterbacks win the Super Bowl, when teams win the Super Bowl, they say, oh, that's it. This is what I've been chasing for all these years. I got the ring and... He says, those things are perishable, but we and imperishable. Therefore, I, notice what Paul says, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave. 
so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. You see, Paul said, yeah, I can preach to everybody. I can go all around the world to preach the gospel. But if I'm not careful even for me, I can be disqualified. Well, if that can happen to Paul, can the same not happen to us? Now, Paul had great confidence in his salvation, and I will also add this, that that we should also have great confidence, too, as we are doing the will of God. Remember, that's what Jesus said in in Matthew chapter 7. As we are walking in the light, according to 1 John chapter 1, as we repent with godly sorrow, as Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, notice the confidence that Paul had in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 6. He was not naive to think that he could be disqualified if he walked in a way in which would would not be pleasing and right with God. But he also had confidence in his salvation. He said, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So yes, Paul knew that if not careful, he could be disqualified. That's why he remained with God and walked with the Lord, and remained steadfast. And this is why he warned individuals about remaining with God, because it is possible to be severed from Christ, to fall from grace, as Paul talked about in Galatians chapter 5. The reality is, a lot of times we don't like to hear sermons like this, or maybe I shouldn't say we, but some, and people in the world may not like to hear sermons like this, because it's a reminder that, hey, if we're not careful, we can go there as well. I'm not saying that we live a life of fear every single second of our lives, but it does force us to come to some conclusions about ourselves. What am I doing with my life? And I'm not talking about retirement at age 65 or marriage or children. Yes, all of those things are important, but where is my soul going to be? Think about the big picture for a moment. Eternity. Not all fun and games every day. A lot of times people will say, well, hell, all right, Jesus talked about it, but are people really going to be there? Well, let me tell you this, my friend. Number one, hell is not going to be a place that's going to be empty. It's not going to be a place that's going to be empty. We already know who's going to be there. Jesus already said in Matthew 25 and verse 41 that the devil and his angels are going to be in hell. It's a place prepared for them. Number two, we just read this passage. Will you go back there? And this should cause all of us to pause and to think and to really consider choices we're making. The way that we're using our time because this world is not our home. Life is short and tomorrow is not promised. And Paul would say those in verse number 7. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 7. To give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be, will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, hell is not going to be a place that is going to be empty. There will be people there who willingly do not, we're not interested in God who did not listen to God, who did not do the will of God, who did not turn from their sins, who did not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
This is what the Holy Spirit says. And this is what we need to believe. And we need to understand and come to terms with this reality that hell will be a place. Well, sadly, there's going to be a lot of people there. Now, I'm not the final judge. I'm thankful for that. But Jesus is. And you know what Jesus talked about? He talked about this. You go back to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and I don't have the verse here, but let's go back up to verse number 13. Because Jesus also reminds us about this earlier in verse number 13. Young people, you have a choice you have to make. And I want you to start really thinking about it now. Don't wait till you're 30 or 40. And if you have time, then if you are 30 or 40 or 50, I want you to think about this right now. Where will your soul spend eternity? We can get angry with God, but it's not going to change anything. Because God has already made provision for us to be reconciled with him. He allowed his son to die on the cross. Now, we can accept this free gift of salvation where we will not have to spend eternity in hell. But it's a choice. And maybe that's why a lot of people don't like this kind of sermon because, well, I can go there and once I go there, there is no coming back. There's no do-over. Jesus says you've got to make a choice. Verse 13, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And it can be very enticing, very appealing. And there are many who enter through it. Be careful who you follow and who you listen to. And be careful the path that you take. Because there is a path that most people are going to take. That's why he said in verse 14, For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. It doesn't say that we can't find it, that we can't follow it, but there are going to be a few. Why don't we become part of that few? Hell is not going to be a place that's going to be empty. We know what Jesus said. Those who practice lawlessness in verse 23 of the same chapter, well, that's where they will spend eternity as well. It's not always the sermon that people want to hear, but it's the exact reason why we need to hear it. For for ourselves, for our children, and for the world. You want a spark for evangelism? Here it is. Hell is real. It's awful. And there will be people who will go there. But it is a choice. And we need to be wise with our choices. You know, five years ago, when we were in Beaumont, Nikki, you remember this, right? When Hurricane Harvey, I guess it was like, it wasn't really even the hurricane. It was like the the last part of the hurricane, the tropical storm or whatever. It just sat right over Beaumont. And it was a Sunday. And one of Nikki's friend, one of our sisters in Christ called Nikki. You know what she told her that Sunday morning on the phone? Get out! The storm is here! Run! Get out! Was she like that on the phone? You were like that when you called me, right? Now, we do that for a storm or for an F1. 
or category three. There's intensity. There's a sense of urgency. We want other people to know. We want people to be safe. We're concerned about people. We're thinking about their well-being. Well, should we not have this same concern when it comes to eternity and hell? That this place is real. And we don't want our children to go there. Or our family members or our spouses or our friends. That's the same kind of urgency, brothers and sisters, that we ought to have today. Don't dismiss this sermon. Don't ignore it. We've got to look ourselves in the mirror. Where are we going today? And if we truly believe hell is real, and if we truly believe it's awful, and if we truly believe that many people are going to be there, then that will truly change how I live and how we live when we walk outside these doors. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are in the need or are looking for more motivation in your life, feel free to check out my website, benjaminlee.blog, where you can find hundreds of encouraging, motivational blog posts on a variety of subjects. You can find all of my books, which can also be found on amazon.com and other podcast interviews with a variety of people. I hope this helps. Please leave me a rating and a review. I can do and so can you. Take care and God bless.